want you to get your bulletins out for two reasons. One, to take uh, sermon notes on the back. They're provided there for you. There's a pen in front of you. I'm going to give you five things to write down today. And also inside of your bulletin is the Bible blog. So I want you to have that handy. You won't have to take notes on that. I'll just kind of share some things uh, from that. But we are in a series called The Good Life. The Good Life. Everybody wants the good life. We strive for it. We are jealous of those who have it. We know it when we see it. Everyone wants to live the good life. If we were really honest, we would tell the, the truth about our lives. But we really, deep down, we want to win. We want to be number one. We want to be the greatest. We want to be the best. We want to be first. We want to be the boss. We want to be rich. We want to get all that we can out of life. We want to be successful. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to be happy. We want to be safe. And we want to live forever. Now, all of us may define the good life differently, but deep down we're all striving for it. But what are we really striving after? What is the good life? And more importantly is, how does the Bible define the good life? And even more importantly, how does Jesus define the good life? What if the good life was the exact opposite of what you think it is? What if the good life was the exact opposite of what you're striving for? I had the pleasure of spending time with our SAGE group. That's our seniors group here at the church, Senior Adults in God's Employ is what SAGE stands for. We had the best time about a month ago. We just uh, uh, got together, and as I led that day, I asked them the question, the grandparents and the great-grandparents of our church, I asked them, what is the good life? And how many know that um, when you're a grandpa and a grandma, a great-grandparent, you look at life a little differently than maybe somebody in their 20s or 30s or 40s, and I just have to tell you, I wish I would have recorded that conversation for that hour because it was beautiful. As these senior citizens shared with me what the good life is, and I actually gave you uh, some of their answers there in the Bible blog. So if you want to open up your Bible blog, you won't have to take notes now, and I'm just going to talk to you about these. But I, I, was just I was just blown away by what they said. And they said kind of primarily, and we talked about these and bounced them back and forth, but the good life is it's peace. It's peace. It's peace in our heart. It's peace in our home. It's peace with the Lord. It's a peace that doesn't come from what's inside of you. It, it's something that passes understanding. It's a peace that Jesus gives. He says in John 14, 27, you can look up those verses later, but he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give you peace like the world gives you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I'm giving you peace in Philippians 4, 7, the familiar verse that, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. They said the good life is peace. They also said the good life is close family relationships. To have that close relationship with your children and with your grandchildren, there's nothing that can top that, that there's something that, that's just, that's the good life. And not just your earthly family, but also your spiritual family, your church family. 
They talked about how important it is to be and stay connected to your church family, and I didn't even realize in that room how many of those relationships were so deep and so long and so powerful. And they said we wouldn't have made it through life without those church relationships. Another one is a positive attitude throughout life. They said you just got to smile. How many know in a room of, of seniors, there's a lot of prayer requests? There's a lot of prayer requests for physical strength. There's a lot of prayer requests for health. There's a lot of prayer requests for family. There's a lot of hard things in life, but they all said a positive attitude. That was the good life. I love this one. For people who have far fewer years ahead of them than behind them, they said this. The blessed hope of knowing your eternity is secure in Christ. I love that. Knowing, hey, it's all taken care of. I don't have to worry. I don't know how many years I have left, but I don't have to worry. My eternity is secure in Christ. They talked about walking with the Lord. Some of them have known the Lord their whole life. Others had just come to know the Lord, but they, they talked about walking with the Lord, that there was something about God ordering your steps, walking with Him throughout life. And I, I, they kept coming back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. That continually walking with the Lord. They said that having joy like a child, having joy like a child. It's funny, the older you get, the more you become like a child. And then and, and they just talked about having that joy, that that joy is the good life. This one is actually my favorite. And, and, I, and I capitalized the word knowing there in the Bible blog because they, they talked about knowing that God is working everything together for good. There's a perspective that you have at 60, 70, 80, 90 that you don't have at 20, 30, and 40 that you look back in your life and you realize God's been walking with you the whole way. That He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. And that there are hard times throughout that journey. But you know. That's the, that's the, that's the word we forget sometimes in Romans 8.28 when all things work together for good. The first part of that is we know that everything is working together for good. I love 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That God's walking with us the whole, the whole way. Next, realizing how much God loves us and wants the best for us. We know that God's plans for us is good. We know that he's given us a future. We know that he's giving us a hope. We know that he loves us with an everlasting love. That he never stops drawing us with his unfailing kindness. We know all these things. But to really hold on to that, that's the good life. Like 1 John 3, 1. And what we saw in this video, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we, were, we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. And finally, they said the good life is grandchildren. Grandchildren. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they, something about grandchildren. I don't know yet, but I'll, I'll let you know when I find out. But there's something about grandchildren that give you the good life. What I loved about that time with them is they offered a perspective much different than a lot of, a lot of people my age or, or, or younger. When you're that age, you find out what really matters in life. 
There was a settledness in the room. There was a contentment in the room where I think when we're younger, we're striving harder and harder and harder. And, and there was just this contentment that they realized, because we spend so much time in our life trying to control everything. And then the older we get, we realize there are so few things that we actually do control. And there was a peace in that room, and there was a contentment in that room. And when I left that room, I thought, that is the good life. Time magazine uh, noted in the 1960s that there was expert testimony before the Senate subcommittee on time management. And these experts said that with the, the technology boom that is coming, the average American work week is going to be radically altered. And that within 20 years, the average American would be working 22 hours a week. And the experts said the greatest problem we'll have is how to find something to do with all that extra time. And we sit here over 40 years later with even more advances in technology. And I don't know how many of us are wondering, what am I doing with all my extra time that I now have on my hands. And so I'm going to do a quiz this morning. It's going to require some crowd participation, so I need you to, to, to help me answer this. It's going to be a fill-in-the-blank quiz. I'm going to read a sentence, and I want you to finish that sentence with the last word. Here we go. Ready? Ready? All right. I need to hear your voice. Fill in the blank. I am ready to throw in the... I'm at the end of my... Correct. I'm just a bundle of. My life is falling. I'm at my wits. Wow. That's, a hundred, that's an A plus right there. You must know something about that. What is the good life? The good life is peace. Shalom. It's rest. It's contentment. It's being satisfied. The good life is peace. And our society doesn't know anything about that, does it? Our world doesn't understand it. It is so rare, and everybody's looking for it. And so this is what we're going to do today. We're going to look to Jesus, because he had a lot to say about rest and peace and contentment. Matthew chapter 6 is where we'll begin, but uh, we'll come to Matthew chapter 11 in just a moment. But I want to read these verses first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? I want to say this. We're just going to pause it here for just a moment. Worry is life's greatest joy stealer. You have to see anxiety and worry as a thief that's out to destroy your life, to take everything from you. Because Jesus says in verses following this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Jesus is saying, don't worry. Rest in me. You're going to find what you need from me. And when we worry, even though we don't mean to do this, we are saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. And I know you wouldn't want to say that in your heart, but you really do feel that way. God's not enough. And let me tell you, what we need to do in those moments is not to come under condemnation, but rather start getting a view of how big and awesome our God really is. That He is unstoppable. That there is nothing impossible. And that our God, listen to me, our God has been faithful to generation after generation after generation of people who follow Him. Our God is good. He is big. He is faithful. And that's why we come to Matthew chapter 11. And three, these three verses are going to be the verses that we meditate on today, we take our notes on today, we dive into today, and these are the words of Jesus leading us to the good life. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Familiar words that I know you've heard before, but allow them as we meditate on them over the next few minutes to seep into your soul. You probably have heard this passage, but do you realize this passage is given in the context of us coming to Jesus as a little child? That he calls us to himself, and then he says, come to me. There's an invitation in this passage of Scripture saying, come to me. As a little child, just come to me. And Jesus is the only name, the only person by which we are saved, and we come to him. And who's supposed to come? He says, all you who are weary. Well, I think that's probably all of us here today, isn't it? Come to him, you who are weary. And what is he going to give you? He's going to give you rest. It's as though God puts a gift together and he says, come to me. And when you come to me, I'm going to give you this gift of rest. See, Jesus is, is going to replace what is heavy in our lives, what is weighing us down, those burdens that we carry, and He's going to replace it with His yoke. The heavy things will be replaced with His yoke, and we think of yoke for oxen and pulling the plow, but in Jesus' day, the idea of the yoke was the teaching of the rabbi, that the rabbi would give to his students a, a certain type of teaching, you are going to do these things. Some rabbis were very harsh, like the Pharisees or, or the other religious leaders. They would just weigh the people down with burdens. They would just weigh them down with condemnation. They would weigh them down with this heavy load. And Jesus says, I want you to come to me. I want you to allow me to put my yoke on you. That I'm going to be your teacher. I'm going to be your rabbi. I'm going to be the master here. And you're going to listen and follow me. But notice in the passage of Scripture, if we can go back to that Scripture just real quick and keep it up there, notice what our teacher is like. Jesus is gentle. He is humble. He's not like the Pharisees. He's not like the religious leaders. He's, he's completely different. And he says, when you bring your life into submission to me, 
when you follow me, when you listen to me, when you do what I ask you to do, I'm going to replace what's heavy in your life with what's easy. We will find rest or peace in him. Why? Because he says, my yoke is easy. Jesus' teaching is all about us coming into peace with God. He's going to say, this is how you're going to be right with God. This is going to how you're going to be close to God. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word light, you know what that means? It means it fits well. It, it fits my life well. Now, it doesn't mean that you're never going to have any pain. You're never going to be in trouble in life. It doesn't mean that. It just means that he's always going to be with you. That you're never going to be alone. And that you can stop striving to try and get the good life because he's going to give it to you. That we can cease our striving, put our hope in him, and we become linked with the great I am. We become linked to the God of the impossible. We become in relationship with him. Notice all of these things that we talk about when we talk about Jesus is being in relationship to him, being close to him, being in tandem with him, that when we come to him and submit to him, that that's when we're in relationship. I want you to write down five things today because these things are, are the things in, in, in which this passage is trying to get it inside of us. It's kind of an application of the scripture to our life, but, but I want you to write these five things down so that you can, can get a hold of these and, and understand what Jesus is teaching here so that this can be a truth in your life. The first one is that the invitation is to little children. This invitation is to, to little children. That he says, I want you to come to me. And so we accept that. But we don't accept it as these grown-up adults. We, we come to him as little children. When you think of our, our little children, they are moldable and shapeable and teachable. They have a lot to learn. That's why they go to school. That's why God gave them to you. So that you can mold them and teach them and shape them into the men and women of God that they're called to be. And when we come to Jesus, we don't come to Jesus with everything figured out. We don't come to Jesus and tell him, well, this is how we're going to do it. We come to Jesus as a child. And we say, we're going to follow you. We're going to accept what you're saying. And then secondly, we're going to learn from the teacher. That's the second thing. We're going to learn from the teacher. We're not going to learn about life from this world. We're not going to do things in life according to how we feel. We're going to learn what Jesus says. And remember that Jesus is our teacher. And remember, what is he? He's gentle and he's humble. And I just want to say this because, because uh, I want us to get teaching into our lives. And I want us to, to allow whoever is preaching the Word of God to come inside of us. But sometimes there are people that teach the Bible, but they teach it in such a way that it's harsh. And sometimes we, we walk away from that teaching feeling, ugh, you're just like, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm worthless. I'm all. That's not Jesus' teaching. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is humble. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that people that preach with passion or, or fire, that, 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 that's bad. No, we should preach with passion and fire. It's God's word. I mean, I get that. But it should always be gentle because that's Jesus. Jesus isn't there to beat you up. He's there to say, come to me, little child. Come to me. Listen to me. Learn from me. I am humble and gentle. 
The third one, and I think this is the most important, third one is this, rest, don't strive. Rest, don't strive. The spiritual life is all about rest. It fits well, like I said, it's manageable in our life. And let me just tell you this, if you're trying to be spiritual and it's difficult for you, you're doing it the wrong way. Seriously. If you're trying to be spiritual and it's not working and it's hard, you're not doing it right. You were designed for a relationship with God. And, and, and prayer should be natural. And you don't have to pray like someone else or, or do what other... No, just that's that conversation with the Lord. Us sharing with Him our heart and Him speaking to us. It, it's not hard. This is not a burden. That our spiritual life, we should rest in what Jesus has done. We should rest that we're sons and daughters of God. And we don't strive because it's, it fits well. It's what we were designed for. So rest, don't strive in your relationship with God. Number four, it's all about relationship. It really is all about relationship. I know I already mentioned that, but it's about drawing close to the Lord. It's about drawing near to Him. And, and when it comes to relationships, relationships are not rigid. Relationships are not based on a list of rules. Relationships are, are, are more like a garden that you go and you plant the seed and, and you water that seed and, and then it grows naturally and and, and you can't just plant a seed in the ground and look and wait, it's not growing, it's not growing, come on. You know, you can't be, because it just takes time. That relationship, that walking with God, this is a lifelong journey. And really not even for just this life, but for all eternity, walking in relationship with God. He says, I just want you to come to me, follow me, listen to me, do what I ask you to do. This is going to fit your life. This, the world's going to tell you something else, but I'm telling you, this is the way to go. Number five. Our relationship with God is easy, not hard. It's light, not heavy. It's the truth. Our relationship with God is easy. It's not hard. It's light, not heavy. Listen to me. You already are a son or a daughter of God. You belong to Him. He loves you. He is with you. He will take care of you. I don't have my, my kids here today with me. They're uh, up with the family in Wisconsin, but Luke was here last night. And Luke's sitting right there as I'm preaching, and, and, and Luke's my son. I love Luke. I'm always going to love Luke. I will always be there for Luke. I will always help Luke. I will do anything I can for him. I love him. And he doesn't have to strive. He doesn't have to work hard for that. That's, that's just in the DNA. That's just the way it's going to be for the rest of our lives. I love him because he's my son. And that's, that's how God loves you. You don't have to strive. When you start striving and working for God, you, you end up becoming the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. You end up becoming Martha in the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus says, no, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. You're making a meal I didn't even ask for. Thanks. But Mary's doing what's most important. Mary's at my feet. Mary's with me. She's in relationship with me. I want to tell you, you don't have to strive for this. This is easy. This is not hard. God loves you. You've already got this. 
You don't have to earn His love. You don't have to work for your salvation. He loves you. That's where we should get our peace and our contentment from. I want to do something different here at the end, um, and I know we have a little bit more time, but I'm going to ask you to do it, and I, I'm glad we're doing it this week because you got an extra hour of sleep, so that's good. I'm glad for that. Um, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes in just a moment, and you're actually going to keep them closed kind of for the rest of our time in the message, and the reason is because I want you to meditate. I don't want you to be looking at the Bible because I'm going to read the Bible to you. I don't want you to be looking at the screen. This is just between you and the Lord. And what I want us to do is I want us to get a picture of how big and good our God is and this relationship that we have with Him. And what I'm going to do for the next few minutes is, first of all, I'm going to read through Psalm 23. I believe that Psalm 23 is the ultimate good life passage of the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I want the words of Scripture to come into your heart. And I want it just to soak in your heart for a while. And I'm going to keep talking about that Scripture as we, before we go into prayer, before we leave today. But from here on out, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. But do stay awake. Close your eyes. Some of you have already been closing your eyes for quite a bit of this message. So thank you. Thank you for meditating. Meditating on the Word of God. But now we're all going to close our eyes. And I'm not going to look at you so I don't get discouraged. No, I'm, I'm going to... I'm just going to read for a while. And we're going to let the Word of God come inside of us. The good life is peace. Rest that contentment. It's that knowing God is in control. It's knowing God loves you. That you're His child. That this is easy. It's not hard. It's light. It's not heavy. You have a great big God who loves you so much. Listen to his words to us through Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we meditate on these words with our eyes closed, the Lord is the good shepherd. I want you to meditate on the ideas that we pull from this psalm. What is 
Jesus saying to us? He is saying that he takes care of me. He makes or lets me rest. He leads me in peace and ease and refreshing. He restores my soul and renews my strength. He guides me in His way because I belong to Him. He is close to me even in my darkest moments. He watches out for me no matter what it takes. He feeds me. He protects me. He gives me favor and honor. He heals me. He blesses me. He pursues me all the days of my life until I'm with Him forever. Notice in this passage of Scripture that He does it all. He is the Good Shepherd. He does everything. So what is our responsibility in this? What are we supposed to do? All we have to do is keep our eyes on the Shepherd. All we have to do is follow the Shepherd. And when we do that, he says, all these things will be given to you. The good life is yours when you keep your eyes on Jesus and you follow him. Do not let God get small in your life. Get that great big view of our awesome, unstoppable God. He is the God who will lead you to the good life. He is the God who says, come to me. Cast all your anxiety, all your worry, all your fear. Cast it on me because I care for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Lord, today we find ourselves in a world that doesn't know peace, that never stops striving, striving after what they would call the good life. But Lord, we're reminded by your word today that striving after this world or striving and trying to do things on our own will break us down will destroy our life you invite us to come all of us who are weary all of us that are working so many hours just to provide something for our families all of us that are giving our lives away as we raise our kids. 
all of us that are trying so hard to do the right thing all the time. All those that are burdened by fear, and worry, anxiety, doubt. Jesus, you invited us to come to you. Not that our lives would be easy, not that there'd be no more pain, no more trouble, but just that you will be with us and you will provide all that we need. So Lord, today we come as little children. We come as little children with no agenda other than to learn and to be molded and to be shaped by you. Then in these weeks ahead, we would just learn what it means to live the good life. Jesus, teach us. You are gentle and humble. So Lord, forgive us where we've messed up and Lord, put us on the right track today. And Lord, today we are so grateful for your love that you call us sons and daughters, that you say, I'm so pleased with you, that you smile every time you look at us, God. We don't deserve it, but we know you are good. And we know that you love us with an everlasting love. And we know the greatest promise, that there is nothing absolutely nothing that can separate us from your love. May we rest in that today and may that bring peace to our hearts. Lord, we love you. We honor you. And we pray that your word today has found good ground in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I hope you hold on to God's word this morning. I hope you go back to those verses again and again. I hope you go to Psalm 23 and you realize he's got this. All right? It's good. We'll keep learning and growing in, in the good life in the weeks to come. But um, before we leave today, and, and we're going to have lunch together in just a moment with our chili cook-off. But before we go, every first Sunday of the month, which happens to be day, today, the very first day of a brand new month, we receive a second offering, and this offering uh, is for the poor. And so this is an above and beyond offering. This is not for everybody to give in. It's only if God has blessed you and you desire to give in this offering, and everything that is given in this offering goes to help those in need. Uh, they may be people in our congregation. They may be people in the community. Once in a while, there are people on the other side of the world. But when a need comes in during that month, we use this fund to help people in need. And so if God has blessed you and you can give, um, great. You might be going through a hard time. Please don't give in this offering. Uh, this is just for those that desire to do that, just above and beyond. So um, thanks for doing that. All right, come on forward, men and women. Oh, we'll do that. Right now. Thanks. Thank you, God, for allowing us uh, to be a part of what you're doing, uh, to help those that uh, need help. And uh, God, we just pray that this would meet every need. And God, just show your love um, to people in need through this giving. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, before you go, and before we have lunch in just a moment, and it's a great lunch because it's chili. Uh, if you don't like chili, there's soups. If you don't like soups, there's hot dogs. If you don't like nachos, if you don't like hot dogs, you can have nachos. If you don't like that, 
We have vending machines upstairs. You can probably find something in that, but uh, we'd love for you to come. Because not only is it a great time to fellowship, and I, I love walking around saying hi to everybody, it's a great time of fellowship, but it also, every $35 we raise helps another kid come to Awana. So it's a great fundraiser. Uh, we raise hundreds of dollars, and it's only a few bucks to eat. So please, please, please come and have some lunch before you go. We've got an hour before the Bears game, so that's good. Um, also, but this is really important, next Sunday, right? Next Sunday. Don, you want to just shout really loud? I'll give you the mic if you want. So come on over here. This is weird. <laughs> I know. It's okay. We're family. It's all good. Well, if you're like me, a lot of times I forget to look at the bulletin or read the bulletin because Angel Tree Bake Sale is in true, the bulletin. Sometimes. Okay. But so I was just getting a little worried before I heard the sermon. I should have oh. not been. <laughs> but um, we are having our Angel Tree Bake Sale.